Hello, and welcome to Homegrown KC, a podcast dedicated to exploring Kansas City's fascinating history and sharing stories from a church past. I'm your host, Laura. Join me today as we explore a piece of Kansas City's history. Hello listeners, I have a new adventure mini-sode for y'all. I realized several weeks ago that I have not yet done a mini-sode after a visit to the Johnson County Museum. For shame, I love this museum. Why have I not done this yet? I don't know. I think because my previous visits were before I came up with the idea of the mini-sodes. But regardless, um, I thought about that several weeks ago and then I forgot again, so... On Monday, when I realized, hey, I'm going to be visiting the museum on Wednesday, this is the perfect time to do a mini-sub. So here we go. Um, Yes, that was this past Wednesday when we had the parade celebrating the Chiefs' victory in the Super Bowl. Go Chiefs. Um, I am a huge Chiefs fan, but I decided not to go to this for a couple of reasons. Um, Number one, too cold. Laura, Laura doesn't do good being outside in the cold for that long. Um, and two, you know, I'm not afraid of crowds. I don't have that fear, but, um, that was just too many people all in one spot for me. So those of you who went like more power to you, it looked like there were just like tens of thousands of you. And, um, I hope y'all had a good time. I had a great time going to this exhibit. Uh, regardless of the dark history it entails, which um, I will speak about at the end of the episode. So, the Johnson County Museum is located inside the Johnson County Arts and Heritage Center, which is at 8788 Metcalf Avenue in Overland Park. They're open 9 to 4.30 Monday through Saturday. Admission is $6 for adults, $5 for seniors, students if you bring an ID, and veterans. It's $4 for children ages 1 through 7, and if you're under 1 year old, you get in for free. They also offer free admission days a few times a year. It used to be King Louis West. Does anyone else remember this? I'm sure several of you in the area do. It was a multi-entertainment venue from 1959 to the early 2000s. They had an indoor ice rink, a bowling alley, which actually that's how it got start was just the bowling alley, and then you know they added everything else over the years. Arcade, uh, air hockey, and pool tables. Um, when I was in seventh grade, this was actually our seventh grade field trip. And it should have been epic, right? But I didn't know how and still don't know how to ice skate. So all I remember doing that day is just sitting up near the pool tables with my friends and talking all day and like doing nothing. Um, I don't know. We, we wasted our, our day at, at King Louis, which is no more. Anyways, um, King Louis closed in 2009, and then Johnson County Museum, which had begun in 1967, was like, hey, we have an idea of how you can reuse this space. And Johnson County officials agreed. Renovations on the building started in 2011, and in 2015, the Heritage Center opened. So when you get there and you're driving up, the they didn't change the outside they just renovated the interior, right? So the architecture is actually really unique. Um, I'll try that again. Really unique. It's not like 
crazy or anything, um, but it's it's built in like the modern, this is quote, quotations here, modern style of the 1950s. Um, so it doesn't look like you would think a museum should look. And then when you park and you're standing looking at the entrance, it actually has really strong contemporary non-denominational church vibes, which I find really funny. And then even the lobby still has some of that. Uh, but you get inside, they have a nice coat rack right by the doors, and then just past that is the reception desk on the left. Directly across from that is the new gift shop. It's like a year old, maybe not even a year old. It opened in early 2022. Um, but beyond this, there's like three segments. So in the center, you have tables and chairs and those like wibble-wobble chairs for um, kids and people who can't sit still. To the right is the exhibit space, and then to the left is the art center. And the art center offers like dance classes and art classes and stuff like that. It's actually really cool. But the exhibit space is where the ice rink used to be. And I really, really do love this museum. It's one of my favorites in the area. Top three for sure. It's just, it looks so good, y'all. It is so professionally done, so attractive. They have a super wide variety of objects on display, and it's well-balanced between artifacts and informational uh, posters. So when you walk into the exhibit space, it starts off with uh, Manifest Destiny and Westward Expansion. There's a small, semi-enclosed space about the border war, and it's that, when I first saw it, was like super powerful, the way that they have it set up. It's, it's spatially very attractive. They have it divided on the floor. Um, like, let me try this again. So there's a giant map on the floor that shows eastern half of Kansas and the western half of Missouri. And then, you know, they're right in the middle. So there's a big dividing line in the middle of the floor. And then it talks about the border war up on the walls of this enclosed space. Going to have a photo of that on the social medias. Um, then it talks about agricultural origins of Johnson County, how the county started to grow. And it just, you know, goes up through each decade, talking about what's the theme of this decade, what's the major events, all the way up until I think the early 2000s is where the exhibit currently ends. Now that we're in 2020, that's, you know, might have to get updated at the end there. Um, but they have a small thing on Wizzo the Clown. That was a thing in Johnson County. I, I feel like I maybe remember it from my childhood when I was like two. I don't know. This might be a different memory. Um, they have a, a small water tower. And I feel like he told me that that was original and not a reproduction. But it might be a reproduction. Um, they have the giant neon. This one is original. The giant neon. A uh, sign from the Whitehaven Hotel. They have a beautiful car from the 1950s. I don't know the exact make and model because cars are not my thing, but it is. it looks good. <laughs> um, it is something that my grandfather would be all over. My brother's too, actually. But the coolest thing on permanent exhibit is an original all-electric house from the 1950s. Again, photographic proof will be on social media. Um, this was actually a sample house that was built for a proposed all-electric house neighborhood. And when I say it's all-electric, absolutely everything inside is run on electricity. 
the fireplaces run on electricity, the TV is like inset into the wall and you have to press a button to make the wall open, all the lights, uh, all the appliances, I'm pretty sure the windows were opened with a button as well. It's It looks really cool. And they have it decorated in a 1950s style. Um, they'll change it out seasonally. So like in the wintertime, they have a Christmas exhibit up. Or one year they did a Jewish Hanukkah. Um, in the summertime, they, you know, to of course take all of that out. And they put out some like beachy stuff. It's very fun. The museum, the Johnson County Museum, also runs the Lansfield Historic Site, which is an old schoolhouse. You can go and visit that pretty much every day. I'm not sure about Sundays when the museum is closed, but every other day the museum is open, you can definitely go. And they have Kidscape. So this is down on the floor with the exhibit space, but it's it's separate from the exhibit space. So like, um, it's like tucked away kind of underneath of the lobby. I know that sounds weird, but you you go down these really big stairs to get to the old ice rink in the current exhibit. Um, anyway, so Kid Space is an interactive village um, exhibit, but like there aren't actually artifacts on display, right? But it, it's set up so that kids can play and learn at the same time. It's really very cool. You all should check it out if you have children. Very impressed by that. Um, and you know, they're, like I've said a couple of times here, their permanent exhibits, fantastic. Do an excellent job of summarizing the history of Johnson County. But the thing I love most about this museum is actually the temporary exhibits that they have. So last year, um, I spoke with Andrew about their special exhibit, which they designed in-house on the history of redlining that was available to you all during the 2022 year. So I hope you listened to it if you did not. It is uh, available for my patrons, so subscribe, become a Patreon su- supporter, and you can listen to it. Um, Wednesday, when I went, we talked about their current exhibit, which was developed by the Herd Museum in Phoenix. It's actually based on one of the Herd Museum's permanent exhibits, but they created this traveling exhibit in conjunction with NEH, which is the National Endowment of Humanities. And the focus of the exhibit is, or sorry, are the federally created and run off-reservation boarding schools for young Native Americans. Um, And they were forced by the federal government to attend these boarding schools from their creation in 1879 up all the way until uh, the last one closed in the 1980s. Now, the forced attendance ended after the 1930s, so that that first 50 years of this institution has a really dark history. But uh, just like its predecessor, redlining, this is not something that is talked about or taught in public schools, at least, you know, not in this area. Like I told Andrew, I didn't learn about this history until I was in college. Um, actually, I, I think I didn't learn about the reservations, uh, sorry, off-reservation boarding schools until... Um, probably grad school, so mid-20s. And, you know, he said the same thing. He doesn't think he really learned about it until college either. And we actually, there was a off-reservation boarding school 
just an hour away from Kansas City over in Lawrence. Uh, locals, y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm referring to what is today Haskell University. So the fact that, that it's not taught, um, especially that it's not taught in this area, is a travesty. You know, I think, and I'm getting a little bit off topic here, but I think that public schools today, they don't want to teach and it's it's not even the schools. I think it's um, kind of just like this. I think it comes down from the federal level, from um, policymakers. They don't want to teach the darker aspects of American history. But you really do need to learn it and understand where we are in society today. You know, we're, for example, okay, Black Lives Matter. There's a similar thing with Native Americans. They're like, hey, we have agency. There's been a really big push in recent years from that community of, you know, here's our story. Here are our voices. Don't try to appropriate our culture. Don't minimize its significance. And, you know, you think it's no big deal, but here's this history, that all this generational trauma that we've been dealing with. And if your experience, personal experience, is white suburbia or, you know, black inner city, I mean, you got your own trauma, I know. But if you were never introduced to someone else's trauma and history, especially while you're young and in school and sort of open and receptive to it, then you're, you're not going to understand. Okay, so that's why exhibits like this are so important. All right, now we're back on track. Thank you for following me through all that. Um, other than what I've already said, I'm not going to do a deep dive into the exhibit. If you want to really hear about it, um, you can become a patron supporter and listen to Andrew talk about it because he's uh, much more eloquent than I am. Or... Maybe eloquence, not the word, but um, succinct and thorough than I am sometimes. Um, but also listen to my uh, series, People of the Island, from last summer. Um, so that was series five. Yeah, okay, so series five, topic one, evilisms. I also cover a lot of the same topics as um, is in this exhibit and that we cover in our conversation with Andrew. So listen to that. Um, I will be adding a short clip of the conversation with Andrew to the end of this one, just to give you all a little taste. It's a spectacular exhibit. Strongly encourage you if you live within the metro area or, you know, within reasonable driving distance, come and see it. Uh, especially if you're in Lawrence, I think you'll get a lot out of this. And Andrew said that the Haskell University has a heritage center where they talk about this usually, but it's closed and it, i was like it's close for renovations he's like no it's been closed and it's it's gonna stay closed because they don't have money to operate i'm like what this is terrible so people in lawrence y'all need to get on this that is gonna be the end for this minisode i think i rambled enough please visit the museum please visit this exhibit um the exhibit has a short run it's only open for six weeks it ends on march 18th so don't wait 
Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you will consider becoming a financial supporter of the show. Um, you can subscribe to patreon.com slash homegrownkc or redcircle.com slash homegrownkc. You can also give a one-time donation at redcircle.com slash homegrownkc or coffee.com slash homegrownkc. That's ko-fi.com. And you can give as little or as much as you want, even as little as a dollar a month. Once you sign up and create an account, subscribe to the show, you'll be charged that day and then on the first of every following month as long as you continue to be a subscriber. And if you become a Patreon subscriber, you get three things. One, you get an item from the merchandise store valued at $5 or less. Two, you get a shout-out on every episode and social media post. So thank you, Bjorn and Joan, for your continued support. And three, you get access to this exclusive bonus content that I've been referring to. Um, speaking of which, apologies to my patrons. I only just realized as I was uploading my conversation with Andrew that my conversation about archaeology with Dr. Rob in October 2022 failed to upload, so I've corrected that. It should be available to you to listen to now. Additionally, this is really exciting for me. If you become a donor on Kofi, 1% automatically goes to help fight climate change, which is something I'm really passionate about. If you can't support me monetarily, then you can still continue to support me by following and subscribing to my Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, Tumblr pages, also my YouTube channel, um, Homegrown KCL on all of them. Rate and review me on Apple Podcasts. Tell all your friends, family, coworkers about me. Have them listen. You can visit my website for additional information. That's homegrownkc.wordpress.com. Sign up for my newsletter there. You'll get an email once a month that says, hey, here's what's new, what's coming up. Not going to spam you every day. Don't worry about that. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or episode suggestions, you can email me at homegrownkcpodcast.gmail.com or email me on any of my social media networks. Um, sorry, DM me, not email. Um, for merchandise, if you want to see what's available, got a lot of cool stuff, got some cool shirts. Summer's coming up. You need a nice new t-shirt. Go to Zazzle.com slash store slash homegrown underscore Casey underscore store. That's www.zazzle.com slash store slash homegrown underscore Casey underscore store. Thank you goes out to my talented sister-in-law, Sarah McCombs, for the creation of my logo. To the dear missus for the use of their song, Kansas City, as the intro and outro music of the show. To local libraries, which enable me to gather all my research. To you, my loyal listeners, and a special thank you to Andrew and the Johnson County Museum. Cheers, y'all. Not
Yeah. Um, so two things from what you just said. One, you're absolutely right. We think of this history as being, well, you know, Victorian era or early in the 20th century. This history is happening through the 60s, through the 80s in some cases, right? Yeah. So there are people who are middle-aged right now who attended a federal Indian boarding school, you mm-hmm. know, um, and are living and working in our communities, right? So this isn't some history that happened over there a long time ago. It happened right here, you know, in this region um, pretty recently. So that's one. And two, yeah, you're absolutely right. There are so many. I think there are probably as many different perspectives of Indian boarding schools as there were of as students who went to them, yeah. right? Yeah. 